find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Space Serpent 18. Today we are talking about um, one of my favorite Blaine episodes ever, Dynamic Duets. And I have some really awesome guests with me today. I'm Kay, Black Jalen on Tumblr, Killer Queen 80 on the archive, and I am so excited to talk about this episode. I am Pink. I'm Miss Honeysuckle Pink on Tumblr. Honeysuckle Pink without the miss on AO3, and I am probably just as excited, if not more so, than Kay. This is not a competition, but still. <laughs> Hi, I'm Connie, and I'm a sleep-deprived mind on Tumblr, and I'm I'm really excited to be here, particularly because, um, like like everybody else on this podcast, uh, Tiny of Duets is one of my favorite episodes of season four, so... I'm excited to start discussing superheroes, guys. Superheroes. Okay. You know, and I, oh, go ahead. And I was going to say also, uh, because of um, some of the visuals used in this episode and the iconography, I say that we do this in memory of the great Adam West. Oh, yes. oh, oh yes. yeah, Absolutely. we should. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if it were not for the classic Batman, we wouldn't have Blam. Or slain. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I concur. You know, I've been, you know, interestingly, I've been catching up with my comics. I'm a huge X-Men fan. And I've been kind of reading through old issues lately just because I haven't in a long time. And when I watch this, I'm like, this is very... They did their homework, or maybe whoever, I think it's Ian Vernon that wrote this, was a, a comic book fan, but the way this episode is set up, at least with Blaine's story, is very comic book-esque about, you know, there's the hero, and he's, you know, being tempted by the dark side, and then he finds, you know, himself again, and he, he goes and saves the day, and it's it was re- it's a really, really well-done episode when it ties in with its theme to the character's arcs. I think every this episode is about secret identities. I think even the new kids have their secret identities. Mm-hmm. Blaine's hiding behind his secret identity. 
And so I think that there's a, it's a theme that kind of ties throughout everyone's story in the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, let's, uh, we really haven't talked much about the newbies, um, in the podcast. And I think, uh, we were talking a little bit before that we'll probably say, we'll do an episode about the newbies kind of separate, but let's touch upon a little bit here because I, one of the reasons I like this episode, I, I personally feel it's the first time the newbies kind of, start to gel and start to gel with the older cast and they start to kind of come in their own. And I, I know there are people who very much like them right off the bat and that's totally fine. It's not me. Um, so we can agree to disagree on that. Uh, but I do like what they did here with the newbies because I do think that it ties in with the theme very well. And you start to really see them. I, I hate to say it, it gels, but it does uh, in with the other <laughs> cast. <laughs> so. We need a team with a lot of gel, and Brain is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't like the newbies off from the beginning. I couldn't stand them in the beginning. It felt like they felt like they were on a different show. They felt like they were on like some CW teen drama, and and they didn't quite fit in with like the craziness of McKinley. They were too earnest. They were too normal, and. This is, and it took me a while, probably a couple of rewatches, to really kind of understand what was going on with them. And I feel like they didn't really get into the craziness of McKinley until what is that? Um, gosh, I can never remember the name of that episode. I think Swan Song, when they do the whole "Don't Dream It's Over," mm-hmm. and I think that's when because yeah. when we come back from that hiatus, they're fully integrated into the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of McKinley and Glee Cup. But now that I've seen it, I kind of think that's the point that mm-hmm. we're looking at stories that we've seen before but we're adding a different take to it you know mm-hmm. yeah they jake is the new puck but what if you took everything about pluck about pluck about puck pluck. And added the <laughs> but you have the added layer that now he's all these things that puck was but on top of that he's black he's biracial so how do people react to someone who has the same behavior as a character before but on top of that he has to deal with the racism in the school and we have writer who's a football player and a jock and all that, but he can't read. He's not just like dumb in that cute in that like adorable, like, Oh, he's a dumb jock kind of way that, that Finn was kind of written in. He has an actual learning disability. You know, Kitty's a bitch and she's a cheerleader and she's, you know, probably from a conservative home like Quinn's, but then we add her sexual assault to the, to the mix, you know? So I feel like we, they were retelling these stories, and yeah, they felt familiar. But on the other hand, we're here added layers towards that. And it's funny because my uncle was a screenwriter, and he used to tell my mom that there's only maybe eight original stories. And everything you read is based on one of those eight stories. And it's, it's about what you do with that story to make it stand out. As opposed to your story is not original because it's based on one of these, you know, plots that people tend to pull from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would, so, no, I, I would. Think, oh, no, I think the newbies get a bad rap, and it was. Yeah. I think it was the timing. I think it was the way that season three was handled. I think it was the way the whole graduating seniors thing was handled, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was very. I feel very bad for that for that group of kids. I mean, they're doing excellent now, but. Yeah. I just feel bad for them. Their story never got off the ground because their story was so rooted in Finn's story. So when Corey passed away, they didn't get to finish their story. 
and they just never really got a fair shot. So sometimes it makes me it makes me upset because I grew to love that group and and that particular version of Glee Club in a different way than mm-hmm. I loved the original recipe Glee Club. No. Uh, Kay, I'd like to add on to what you have been saying because I've written up meta about this. And in fact, I think you've actually reacted to it. You probably know what I'm talking about. When we were first introduced to the newbies, well, first off, I do want to bring up we were introduced to Unique early on, um, earlier at the end of mm-hmm. season three. And she specifically said that if Kurt Hummel and Unique had a love child, it would be Unique. Mm-hmm. And now I realize that Unique actually sang a song called Love Child in season five. So there you go. But that when we're introduced to the newbies, we're introduced to them from Will's perspective. That Will is because Will is so connected to the original group that I think it was Will was looking for a new Finn, a new Puck, a new Quinn, a new Rachel. Um, And so we saw it from those eyes. Maybe not Marley so much because Marley did not have a kind of upbringing, but Rachel did. But once Finn took control of the group and once Will went off to DC, we start seeing them the way Finn sees them as the actual original people that they are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's one of the things I have in my notes that Finn meets them where they are. Um, mm-hmm. When he comes to Jake and Ryder to fix their issues, he comes at them, you know, as not looking down from the perspective of a teacher. I mean, he's like 18 at this point, so this is not all new to him. He understands that kind of rivalry and everything, and he he is so much better at understanding them as individuals than, than Will ever, ever was. And mm-hmm. that's including Will with the first Glee Club. He never really understood most of that Glee Club as individuals outside of the ones that he took under his wing as his favorites. And Will really does work to understand them and help them resolve these issues. And Finn that's does. why you said Will. That, Finn does. Oh, sorry, Finn. Yeah, Finn does. Why, Will doesn't do shit. Yes, that's why. And, and that's why Jake felt safe going to Finn when he realized what was going on with Ryder, because he felt that Finn was someone who would do something about it, and Finn did. Because I can't think about what Will did when he was confronted with the student's issue. As soon as Jake told Finn what was going on with Ryder, Finn did something and helped Ryder figure out what had been going on and get him the help that he needed, which is something that Will never did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Finn's always been like that. In fact, Finn's been that way since the pilot. When Will exactly. decided to go off and be an accountant, when, Finn, when, it's like, now it's super cool. <laughs> oh, it's like, speaking of CW dramas... <laughs> Right, <laughs> where Marley ended up. Um, but no, Finn is the one that took charge and was just like, can you make some costumes? You can come with choreography. Tina, we'll figure out something for you to do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Finn, I think Finn yeah. has always been a better teacher and a better motivator than Will has ever been. And I think, uh, again, one of the reasons why the newbies start to work for me after this point is because it's tied to Finn's story and that Finn, as you were saying, think, um, it's we're not seeing how like we see them through Finn's eyes instead of through Will's. And I, you know, it was, I, I'm really kind of sad, unfortunately that Will came back because Finn was doing such a great job with, the, with his glee club. Um, even if he's struggling here at the beginning, but yeah. Yeah. Finn brought them together and in a way that Will wasn't able to do that because Finn was very much 
giving everyone a shot and you know will didn't give everyone a shot you know what finn could have easily been like yo marley's awesome we're gonna give it all to marley and this new rachel and we'll give it all to finn i mean to blaine and marley because he's the new rachel and marley's got an awesome boy voice but he really did give everyone a chance to shine yeah and not not to not to jump ahead to the but um I kind of can kind of building on that. I um, want to add on that um, as a very uh, at the very end of the episode, you see that because um, when uh, when when they present the backpack to Finn um, in the choir room as like a, a symbolic symbol, um, it's kind of some recognizing them that they that they're he's their leader. So and they they. Um, they recognize that is the symbolism of the backpack. So I think that uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a way of them recognizing that hey, yeah, you're um, we're following you. Yeah. A uh, quick correction: it, it was actually a fanny pack. Which oh, fanny I, pack. Sorry. Which Kurt, yeah. which Kurt would totally cringe at. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Fanny packs like, are totally back in the style, though. It, they are. And okay. not in the way that we used to wear them when they were neon colors with like your name written on it in puffy paint. <laughs> I, I will I will point out though, I, and as we're as long as we're already transitioning to Finn as a teacher, he, he's not immediately perfect teacher. Though no. I mean, yeah. Finn, he tries to you know he he tries you know, but there's some places where he slips. I think with with trying to bring Blaine back into the fold. I mean, in the end, it was Sam that was able to bring him back in. We'll talk yeah. about that much more. Yeah. Um, so there were some places where you could see Finn struggling, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the point. You see him struggle a little bit, but you also see there's like a natural talent there. It just needs to be home. Oh yeah. This is exactly. kind of, this kind of reminds me of, you know, your classic origin story where, you know, he's just getting his powers and so trying to figure out how to use them. It's just exactly. like mild-mannered Finn Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there there are a couple of things I want to, uh, about Finn, and I want to take a second and just say, first of all, we have his conversation with Beast, and can we take a second to appreciate Beast's um, to testrogen? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I don't remember what her name was. But, yeah. I think it was testosterogen. What was her name? Oh, my gosh. Oh, the Beast. My, the Beast. Please, what are you doing? Oh yeah, she could cry at the drop of the hat. And something else I can't yeah. remember. I should have wrote it down. Because tiny little dictator Blaine said that everyone had to be in a costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um I I appreciate there is yeah, it, it was the beast master. Yeah. I appreciate that Finn has a whole arc with coffee during the season four, and this is the beginning of it where he's like, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> He drinks it, and then he spits it back out, and he's like, I can't believe people drink this, and it just, it's really funny. Yeah. The fact that he lives in a house with Kurt and had never had coffee before. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I don't think Kurt drank so much coffee as much as he drank, you know, lattes. Yeah, lots of milk and sugar. Not the same thing. (laughs) That's true. And then, um, yeah, Finna becomes the almighty trouble class, and, um... I don't know. I really like Finn. Finn's story really picks up, even though, you know, it stems out of the breakup and out of him feeling lost out of last year. But 
one of the really bright spots for me anyway is Finn's storyline through this season and um it's kind of starts here like mm-hmm. I said origin story. I agree uh do we want to take a quick second though and just appreciate uh Marley and her little costume and and how um, Melissa became Supergirl and it just is entertaining I love it oh, I, me too I do. I do, I do love it. From a wallflower to woman fierce. Uh-huh. And it's Supergirl. especially ironic now that Supergirl, and now with all the Wonder Woman coming back into prominence and things. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's funny that I think when when Melissa was cast as Supergirl, I think people are people were uh, uh, people were all are bringing up the examples of of uh, Marley in this episode as. <laughs> She's played oh, the superhero before, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there was, you know, similar reaction to when Grant was cast as the Flash. You know, oh, yeah. was just like, hey, you've gone from supervillain to superhero. And then <laughs> it all came full circle when Darren became the music meister. Yeah. Was, I know. I'm so happy. That's the villain is a imp, kind of impish <laughs> trickster. And it's all revolving around superheroes, too, and villains. <laughs> if you have not, even if you don't watch it, if you have not seen Darren in that, that crossover episode, the crossover episodes, just take us some time and do it, because it's so entertaining and good, and I don't know, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Ironically, called Duet, so, yes. so it's The Flash, season three, episode, I can't remember the number of the episode. I do, oh, it was, um... 216 of um it was something that it went it was um like 317 because it was something that was related to claim too and we were like oh my god you know i don't know it it was the the episode it the the arc starts at the very end of that supergirl episode and the supergirl episode was 216 oh that's what it was yeah because it was originally song is 216 and glee and yeah and were and both episodes are available now on Netflix because uh, both series have their current seasons, or the season just passed up. So if you yeah. have Netflix, go check it out there. I will add that if you don't want to get into Supergirl, that's fine. You want to be totally uncool. I get that. And you can just, it'll pick up on 317. Okay, but yeah. Y'all need to be watching Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Kay, was there anything else that it used to? Because I knew you were the one that wanted to talk about the newbies. Um, was there anything you wanted to hit before we move on to the main event of this episode? Or I think I well, I did say that they were all like kind of falling into their own secret identities, mm-hmm. but, but um, you know, like Kitty's secret identity is that she's you know a bitch, but we find out later on that she's really not. She can be very very kind and protective of her friends. Mm-hmm. Jake's secret identity is kind of playing like this too cool for school kind of, you know, bad boy on his razor scooter mm-hmm. when really he is really sarcastic and just a really stand up guy. Very. And he's really smart. You don't, he doesn't really show that. And Marley's wallflower persona is really, you know, hiding. We get to see later on in the season that she's actually quite outspoken mm-hmm. and she's very, you know, sure of herself once she feels the confidence enough to kind of step out of that wallflower persona. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of hiding behind secret identities a lot like Blaine, you know, Blaine with his Blaine warbler persona that everyone kind of puts on him, which we'll get to mm-hmm. in a bit. Yeah. But yeah. Now, I, think, if, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quickly. Did, do we know by this point that Jake 
is classically trained in dance or does that not really come up until Thanksgiving when he and Ryder are trying to figure out who's going to dance? I don't the, think I don't it comes think it up, comes until, up until Thanksgiving. Okay. It does not. As far yeah. as I remember, but I've been like a little bit spotty on the non-claim stuff lately. So okay. I, I can't say for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. It comes up in Thanksgiving. You're right. Yeah. That's okay. another thing that he's hide that he hides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on, um, there's something I, I, I wrote it, this in my notes, and it's something that's really struck or um, uh, stuck out to me when I went back and watched it a couple days ago. That we have talked a lot on the podcast that Blaine has been Kurt's, not necessarily sidekick, but his whole character has kind of revolved around Kurt okay. up until this point. And even through the breakup stuff, he was still, even though season four he starts to have his own point of view. He's still been a character who's been revolving around Kurt. And kind of keeping in the theme of superheroes and their origin stories, this is the first time that Blaine is on his own and we get a full Blaine story and we get it without Kurt. Because Kurt's not even here and there's a, that's purposeful. Right. So Exactly. There's no New York arc at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was done uh, you know, purposely. And, and now sitting through and watching these all together, I'm like, oh my gosh, this really... They knew what they were doing. I mean, I know we all like to crap on the writers and sometimes for reasonable reasons, but here mm-hmm. I'm just really blown away at the way they've crafted Blaine's arc so far in season four. And here we get Blaine becoming a real character. And to tie that in with this theme of superheroes and superheroes having origin stories, and I, I just think it's really phenomenal. And, and this episode is really phenomenal because it does so well with its theme. Yeah, I actually have that in my notes, that Blaine is no longer a sidekick. And if you notice, like, in the background of the scene where Finn's talking to Beast, there are kids walking around who aren't even in the club who are dressed as superheroes. Mm-hmm. And it's and I like that they call back to that in Guilty Pleasures where that kid with the kulaks, you know? Like, when mm-hmm. Blaine, all of a sudden, people are kind of getting into it. Mm-hmm. You know, Blaine is the hero in this story, and... I like to joke around that this is the first episode of Bleed. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, well, yeah. Um, just thinking about the fact that in Makeover, he joins the side kit club and he has that like yeah. Robin S kitty costume exactly. or whatever it was. Um, and now it's it's developed kind of the way Robin developed into Nightwing, or I, I, I'm not I don't follow DC very well, but um, well, he is now. No, that's that's true. Yeah, that's, my brother has made me learn. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I was about to put out too because I. I don't really familiar with DC Comics after, but that's one of those things that stood out to me when I was when I was um, investigating Nightwing, and that the it said that it was uh, it was um, Dick Grayson when uh, he no longer he no longer was he no he no longer was Batman or he no longer was Robin to. Batman, he became Nightwing, the vigilante. Then, then he adopted that persona, and I'm like, that that, that really correlates pretty well mm-hmm. with what's going on here. So, so, so yeah, um, we open with the Society of Superheroes, and they actually, I didn't notice until I was watching it, but it, there's a little, um, uh, it, it, it's actually written in, on the 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 gavel as a Society of Superheroes on it. <laughs> Really old label makers like my dad used to have when I was a kid. Not the Question. kind that prints out like a little sheet, but the kind that's like that hard plastic label. I thought, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. 
question. Is that by any chance, I just have a little headcanon that maybe Wes gave Blaine that that gavel and he uh, <laughs> I, I, it. I uh, like that. That's why Dalton went to shit afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Does that gavel follow Blaine? Mm-hmm. The gavel has the power. We have Blaine as Nightbird, and I'm going to take a second and do something I don't usually do on the podcast and say, Blaine as Nightbird is just this gorgeous creature. He's just so pretty. I just wanted to say that. Yes. <laughs> I love the like yes, the colors and the and the darkness and the his eyes. Just, yeah. I wish I knew more about Nightwing. I'm looking up some Nightwing stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I, love I know a little. Yeah, that's I all I know. DC house. Yeah, I, know, I come from a DC house. My brother was big in the DC comics, but my mind is blanking. He would be so disappointed. And no, I'm a Marvel girl, so I don't really know much about DC. So yeah, we have um, the society. And uh, I, why don't I ask you guys this? Why do you think that Blaine has latched onto this particular persona so hard at this moment in time? So he can feel like a hero again. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, it, you know, if you parallel it with Tested, where the idea of not being Kurt's hero or savior anymore really bothered him, I think Blaine really wants to think of himself as a hero. And in his head, as he points, as Sam points out, right now he's a villain, and so I yeah. think he's just really trying to find any way to feel better about himself. And one of the ways he does that is through being the hero. He's you know, kind the same of the kid that jumped in front of a slushy. Yeah, he's almost kind of a, maybe he's considering himself an anti-hero at this point, because as much as I don't know about Nightwing's origin story, I at least know about Batman's. And Batman's origin comes from a ver- from a place of darkness. It comes from the death of his yes, parents. Yes, it does. Whereas perhaps the Nightbird persona comes from that darkness of the breakup. And, and it's not even people- just the death of Batman's parents. He chose the Bat as a signal because he's terrified of them. Mm-hmm. Which and then the of course well first the whole bird thing we already know that the birds actually turn <laughs> off. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. that. Maybe birds were something that was scary. Well, I mean, he came. He started as a warbler. He started as a, from a group that origi- originated from a songbird, and then this is kind of a darker bird and darker. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, but let's remember. That also at this point, and I'm going to get more into this when we look at the dark side performance. At this point, the only people who know about why Blaine and Kurt broke up is basically Finn and Kurt. Maybe Rachel, but me, Kurt and Finn are. Nobody else knows why they broke up. Tina doesn't know. And, you know, that's why she's texting him to get back together. And I find it funny because even though him and Tina grow very close, as we see in Sadie Hawkins, she doesn't know why he would really happen at that dance either. Blaine keeps these things very like he plays it very close to the chest. He doesn't share very much about himself with a lot of people. Can I throw this out there? Cause he, I, I always say coming from a, maybe a Kurt side, you guys understand Blaine a little bit better than I do, but I always kind of interpreted also in addition to what you guys have been saying that Blaine also would rather be somebody else than Blaine right now. So taking on a, a hero persona helps not be Blaine too. In addition to what you're Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 It's like, I think when somebody said, you know, like, I I remember somebody pointed out 
out and some gifts that, you know, Kurt's, Kurt doesn't like Blaine right now. Blaine doesn't like Blaine right now. Yeah. Was it yeah. Pink? Was it you? Or somebody during the breakup talk said Blaine yeah. wants to break up, break up with Blaine. Yes. I think it may have been, it may have been me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, <laughs> Blaine wants to break up with Blaine right now. So, um, let's talk about the other kids real quick, though, because I think it's worth mentioning all the other superheroes in this little group. Um, we've got, oh, yeah. we talked about Tina as Asian persuasion. And Can I just say, and I don't know, I'm, I'm finding, the, how, finding how to verbalize this very hard, but whenever I hear the phrase Asian persuasion, it was something I remember hearing on TV a lot growing up as a kid in the 80s, like in a jokey kind of way, like I'm looking for someone of the, a woman of the Asian persuasion. So I've always, uh, that particular phrase always had a very sexualized meaning to me. Ooh. You know, I think, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very fetishizing. Exactly. And when I think about the reason that Tina and Mike broke up about her not being Asian enough, yeah. you know, I do it's find like it that- very... Yeah, it's that it's that fetishization, that exoticism. The, yeah, exactly. And her outfit very much plays into that, mm-hmm. especially when when you think about later when she's applying to colleges. I don't know how Tina particularly relates to herself with regards to Asian culture. So I just find mm-hmm. her outfit and everything to be very interesting in that way. Well, have we ever determined Tina? Well, with, with their name, did we? We never met Tina's parents, and so we never really had. We never determined officially whether. Wait, was she adopted? She was adopted. Was she Jewish. Okay. Yeah, she says when she's applying to that Jewish college, right, that she was adopted. Yeah, and didn't that but stem? As a side note, didn't that stem? Isn't Jenna adopted? She yeah, is. She is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, she she's she produced a, a documentary about. Um, twins who were also from Korea who had been adopted by separate families and then mm-hmm. found each other. Hmm, cool. I can't remember the name of that documentary. But I'll Twinsters. Look it up. Twinsters, yeah. That, that's that was it. Twinsters. I, I, you know, one thing that's always kind of confused me a little bit, Tina is like trying to figure out like how to like text Kurt so you can feel better or whatever, and then like 30 minutes later she's going to be like, oh, will you quit whining about your stupid breakup? Why the turnaround, I guess? I'm I don't know. That always struck well, me. Tina's well, Tina's through her own breakup, and, you know, she had that moment mm-hmm. with Mike when they were doing Grease, but I don't know if this is the right moment for my Tina rant. Okay, we can wait. We can hold <laughs> it on. Well, I'll hold on to it. Okay. Um, the other kids, we've okay, got um, we've got Sam as the blonde chameleon, because um, he does his impressions. Yeah. Um, we've got um, Sugar, who is sweet and spicy. Sweet and spicy. Uh, and her uh, superpower is money. Um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Joe, who is um, tarantula head, <laughs> and with, with his dreads are his superpower. With people with his dreads, <laughs> the new recruits. I think my favorite has got to be when Artie rolls up and he's like, "You better not be a super, you know, a, a, a su- certain leader of a superhero group uh, because that would be copyright infringement." <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which it. is like the second time they've done this in this show because when they did it in Glee, exactly. in the very the, the Christmas the episode, Christmas one where they're Star yeah. Wars, and it's just like because that would mm-hmm. be copyright infringement and that would be illegal. <laughs> I'm Doctor <laughs> Y, and I can do wheelies, <laughs> even though he's definitely <laughs> Professor X from the X Men. 
We've got mm-hmm. Becky, who's Queen Bee, and she stings like a bitch. And then we've got the human brain. <laughs> and chai tea, which is very odd because chai is actually Indian. Oh, that's right. It's actually a word for tea, which means she's TT. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, chai tea itself hails from India, but okay. <laughs> but I love Dottie. Oh, my yeah. God. I wish you had remember. Yeah, yeah. That actress actually has a beautiful singing voice, so I was actually really surprised. Maybe if they had kept going, if, you know, with the Glee Club, and, you know, that she might have eventually. Mm-hmm. And they had a whole other group of new newbies in season six. <laughs> Just uh, about Brittany real quick, though, I really like her moment where she's psychically talking to, to Blaine, and he's like, Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> she's the one that no- she's the one that notices that Blaine isn't there in the in the she's like in the choir room after he goes right here. Yep. They have some very cute moments together at the first half of season four. That I wish we'd gotten more of that friendship, but after she got together with Sam, we didn't really see it. But yeah. I mean I could assume if if she's dating Blaine's best friend, they probably do spend time together. But they had mm-hmm. a lot of really cute moments in those mm-hmm. first few episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we had the Sunshine Twins. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was their tag. It was like Blaine and Brittany were the Sunshine Twins. Aww. Well, let's save that one moment at the end for the end because that's it. Feels like it ties in with his ending story. Oh yeah. Okay. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we get. I love the setup. I love that, you know, they have this um, Hunter Clarington, who is the new captain of the Warblers, has sent them a message via a laptop. I like that he's, like, squiggled out. <laughs> and he's, like, mm. super villain. Like, he turns around and he's like, And I love, who leaves a laptop? Somebody rich. <laughs> and um, they find that their trophy has been stolen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what I just thought of here? Their trophies has been stolen. Where does this trophy belong? In the Glee Club in the choir room. And it's kind of like a metaphor for Blaine, who belongs there, but he doesn't feel like he does. You know? I'm mm-hmm. probably stretching that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. yeah, I definitely agree. Just kind of a backgroundy thing. Um, he, Blaine is kind of sulking by himself. And one of the things we've talked about with the beginning mm-hmm. of season four is that how alone he is until Sam kind of picks him up. And yeah, he's kind of in the back and he's really sassy with Finn this entire episode. He's like, I'm going to go off and get my trophy back. Well, to be fair, Finn Finn, Finn was kind of sassy with him. Maybe he kind of remembers how, you know, even though they had kind of bonded afterwards, you know, keep in mind, first off, Finn knows his secret. So, yeah. um, So that's part of it. And Finn's probably still just a little pissed off at him for hurting Kurt. Um, mm-hmm. But he also I like to forget that Finn was a dick to him when he got to that school. Yep, that was a, yep. yeah. Yeah, when they first, yeah, when they when he first transferred, there was like a lot of animosity. Um, so the next big scene we get with Blaine though is his return to Dalton, and oh, yes. um, right. the Sebastian looking at his butt. Mm-hmm. Of course, Sebastian's <laughs> checking out. So was everybody else. Shut up. I was checking out his butt and I couldn't even see it. <laughs> Pink, isn't that it's what you're spot. always doing? <laughs> it's like guest starring Blaine Anderson's ass. I, I was going to no. say, is this where we start to get the, you know, uh, we need to start crediting Darren's ass as a uh, <laughs> character on the I show? I think that's Sadie Hawkins when Tina's fantasizing about it. Mm. Oh. When he bends over to 
pick up that but... chalk and like cox his yeah. head while talking to the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His bake to perfection by a master chef. So Yeah, and he yeah. comes down I mean, I think it's purposeful that he comes down that staircase and he, he meets Sebastian at the bottom and mm-hmm. he sees Sebastian's like, I should have known it was you. He's like, mm-hmm. Nope. Wasn't me. He's trying to play nice, even though he, I don't know, he's still so smarmy. Being nice sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that's where, so like, she's like, I don't want to go to jail. I'm just going to be nice. <laughs> 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 All right. So then we get in and we talk about let's uh, Hunter Clarington and his cat. Who's not remotely bi-curious. Yeah, you, yeah. Wait, does that mean he's totally straight or is he totally gay? Oh, I always oh. took it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I took it as he was totally lying. I think you protest too much, sir. No one even asked you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and we get, you know, um, 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 Hunter is like, you know, the trophy was just bait. I love that the trophy was bait. <laughs> like, yeah. we want you back because I want to win sectionals, regionals, nationals, and we want you back here. And I love that it's kind of this classic super villainy. We're going to mess with your head. Like, hey, you only went there to be with your ex-boyfriend, but that didn't work out. Now come home. Your home is here. Like, you know, Pyro and X-Men 2. They still call you Blaine Warbler. They don't even call you in. Yeah, Yeah, and it's very tempting because that Dalton persona, you know, Blaine's escaped into that before because he went to Dalton after Sadie Hawkins. So it'd be very easy for him to slip right back into that persona with these people Mm -hmm. who don't, A, don't know what he did, and B, don't really know him at all. Because True. I think, you know, if you think about it, as much as fandom likes to write the Warblers as Blaine's best friends in the whole wide world, how much did they actually see him as opposed to, you know, him as their lead singer, him as the one that wins them trophies and, and things like that. So slipping and, back into that and, persona for yeah. a senior year would be easy. Right. And in, in writing, in, keep in mind, writing fic, I've written it in both ways. I've written it where he's gone back to Dalton. I've written it where he hasn't gone back to Dalton. In canon, I've always seen Dalton as a gilded cage. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be for Kurt. But, I, you know, you can also make the argument that it's for Blaine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was looking, and there are actually quite a few of the old Warblers there. I didn't realize that. Um, Trent is there. Uh, Kurt Trent, Mega is Nick. there. Nick and Nick. Jeff are both there. Nick is there. Nick and uh, Jeff. Trent, Trent and Blaine started Glee Club together. So they I like did. the fact that they were at least friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is Kurt Mega's character's name? I can never remember. Nick. 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 Okay. It was Nick. And it's J- Nick and Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, and then Beatbox by... Beatbox guy had a name. I can't remember his name though. John? It was John, yeah. Yep. I met him once right before the Glee movie came out. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he came into my store to buy beanies. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so there are a lot of old warblers there, even though you really, I don't know, it feels like a new group in a lot of ways, probably because, you know, Hunter's running it. Yeah, and the magical warp and the magical gavel was taken away. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. And I, you know, and I'll let you guys talk about it more because I'm sure you more than I just, so I just want to say my piece. Just, it's really fascinating how, you know, they use this temptation. They give him a, 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 um, a jacket. And yeah, let's, when we get into it, I do want to talk about the choreography as much as the song because the choreography mm-hmm. is just telling just as much as the song is. So oh, but yeah. I know you guys have lots to say. So I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about this scene. Okay. Go for let's it, start, Pink. 
Let's start with the yeah. first. Let's start with the first verse. There's a place that I know. It's not pretty there, and few have ever gone. If I show it to you now, will it make you run away? At this point, again, only ones who know about the cheating are Kurt, Finn, possibly Rachel. Um, Dalton has been a gilded cage for Kurt. I think it was also a gilded cage for Blaine. I think when we met Blaine Warbler at Dalton, we didn't meet the real Blaine. This is the Blaine that we thought was older than Kurt. This is the Blaine that is, you know, this mature um, kind of mentor character. And the first little bit of weakness we see in him is um, in season two, the Valentine episode, where he says, look, I've never actually been anybody's boyfriend. I like I act like I know what I'm doing but I really don't. Oh, can I interject something really quick? Yes. I think that, isn't that the first time that we see him out of his Warbler's uniform? Is that, is that episode? Uh, I don't. Yeah. 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 Cause it's before blame it on the alcohol, isn't it? Or is it after? No, it's before. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. They they start giving him flaws when they get him out of the uniform. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's not pretty there. Few were gone. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, he's afraid that if he, like, let's, if he's afraid, if he tells people the truth of what happened with Eli C, he's afraid if he actually shows his true self, the people will run away mm-hmm. because people have run away. I mean, he probably thinks that Cooper essentially ran, you know, Kurt yeah. literally ran from him when he told him, you know, what he had done. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, is this going to happen to everyone? You know, Finn doesn't really talk to me that much. You know, Kurt ran off. Um, I don't really know what's happening with the family, but at this point we really don't know what's going on with the parents or whatever, but you know, he's, he's afraid of showing, showing his true self. So continuing next, will it make you run away or will you stay? Even if it hurts, even if I try to push you out, will you return? Now, is he singing to Kurt? If he could, is this kind of just like, if I could sing this to Kurt, I would, is he singing it to the warblers, old friends who didn't really know him? Or is he singing this to, New directions. And obviously he's singing with the warblers, but I mean to an imaginative audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can make Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, oh, I'm sorry. This is a good stopping point. So I was just going to say, I I think you can make the argument that it could be any of them. I I do think that it's definitely contextually um, in relation to the Kurt stuff and the breakup stuff. But I do think that everything that you just said is valid. Yeah, Absolutely. And and interjecting, we're talking about Dark Side here. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we're yes. talking about the performance yes. of Dark Side, uh, which, yes. by the way, um, it the song that Kelly Clarkson sings is Dark Side. Um, for whatever reason, it's called My Dark Side when with the Glee cover, and I don't know why. I don't know either. Mm. So I yeah, continue I to call it Dark Side, but I think they yeah they just screwed up the title. I think just when they mm. did that because they actually did that with there's another song that Glee has covered that. They did something else with the title, but I've got, oh, to make you feel my love. Because I have the Bob Dylan version, I have the Adele version, and I have the Garth Brooks version. But when the Glee version is simply called Make You Feel My Love. Oh. That Rachel sang. So that's why it's screwed up in my iTunes. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, The next line after he sings, will you return? And remind me who I really am. Please remind me who I really am. But 
can the warblers really remind him? The confident rock star that Kurt met in season two or the scared boy from Sadie Hawkins who first arrived at Dalton? Well, I think that, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about that scene. It also talks about, I mean, ties in with his feeling lost and floating without having Kurt as an anchor, without having Mm -hmm. that, you know, other person to anchor you down to like keep you from the glane to me has always felt like he's needed someone to help define himself Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't mean that like in a like uh, bad way. I'm not trying to like he's so awful because he needs people. But like mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making any sense. But no, I get what you're saying. He yeah. has a, he's not really very good at being alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And we talked about this before in the cheating in the breakup episode. But he's also touch starved. Yes. Okay. So continuing, uh, we get into the chorus. Everybody's got a dark side. Do you love me? Can you love mine? Nobody's a picture perfect, but we're worth it. You know that we're worth it. Will you love me even with my dark side? So he's at least acknowledging, you know, he's not perfect because he did this terrible thing. But you know what? Nobody is perfect. But he questions, can you, but he's asking for validation. Can you love me even with this, this part of me, this thing that I did? Right. And he sees that as a, is he seen, I think he's almost maybe seen himself being touched dark as a flaw. I don't think it's a flaw, but I think maybe he's. Oh, you're being, oh, my feels. Sorry. Sorry. You know on Jane the Virgin, on Jane the Virgin where their hearts glow? (laughs) Oh, boy. Ignore me. I'm just over here in my corner, just like I want to wrap Blaine up and and just like yeah, snuggle him. Well, and I think it's uh, doing a really great job of uh, humanizing him because I think a lot of people are like, oh, cheater, awful, you hurt Kurt, you know, you're horrible. And it's like, no, there's a lot more. I mean, part of making him a real character is fleshing him out and giving him these dimensions and giving him this context of you know Blaine is going through some issues but he is a human person who deserves to be loved too and this is where his mindset is so it, it, it kind of all plays yeah. into making him stand on his own okay exactly yeah oh totally but and that actually gets into the second verse um fortunately I won't have I won't do the entire lyrics because we, we do repeat, you know, the course a couple of times, but there's just a couple of more places. Um, the second verse goes like a diamond from black dust. It's hard to know it can become if you give up. So don't give up on me. Please remind me who I really am. In this point, he's asking, I'm a good person, right? I'm, am I just a good person that did a bad thing? Or is this the beginning of something worse? Please don't give up on this because I, you know, again, I'm be just maybe becoming a diamond. But if you don't stick around, you're not going to see. It's like, you know, when somebody hears part of a conversation and walks off and, and, and thinks the worst thing instead of sticking around and listening to the rest of the damn conversation. Well, yeah, I mean, think about um, in the previous episode, Blaine, even though it was really not the greatest way he should have started doing that, tried to reach out to Kurt and say, hey, let me explain myself. And Kurt, again, turns around and leaves and says, you are not my home any longer. And Uh, that, uh, you know, is this scene or this whole episode comes out of not just the breakup, but that, you know, here was somebody that he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with. And now they're no longer a part of his life, he thinks. And yeah, yeah, so it just all ties up in together. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Oh, Lane. It also, by the way, makes me think of, okay, I'm probably one of the only people that actually saw Superman 3. Was that the really <laughs> bad one? <laughs> well, it was, the one, it was the one with Richard Pryor in it. Oh, my gosh. I have not oh, seen boy. that since I was a little kid. I, it's been so long, but I have seen it. But I think, I, if, I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, I think it's the one where Richard Pryor doesn't actually believe Superman's Superman, except that Superman grabs a piece of coal and puts pressure on it, becomes a diamond. Oh, I remember that, yeah. That's so bad. <laughs> so, and so that's, so that's what I think of when I think of, like, a diamond from Black Dust. <laughs> I think of Superman, Superman trying to prove to Richard Pryor, like, look, I'm totally Superman. But, oh, my God. It is. It starts as this, this, you know, dirty piece of coal. And, you know, that gives you black lung. And that is a never going, an industry that is never coming back, no matter what 45 things he can say. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is that kind of, you know, it takes a long time for a black dust to become a diamond. And the question is, will not just Kurt with warblers, would, you, would anyone stick around long enough? To, as I go through this very tough period to come out of the other side. See, and I kind of wonder, jumping off from that, and based off conversations I know I've had with you guys, if, mm-hmm. you know, Blaine is used to people leaving him. Like, I mean, obviously we don't get the stuff with his family, but Cooper obviously took off, and, mm-hmm. and now he feels like Kurt has, and I wonder if his parents just weren't around, and yeah. he's used to people just leaving him. So, mm-hmm. oh, poor Blaine. <laughs> Yeah, and then that last bit where it's just like, don't run away, don't run away, just tell me that you will stay. And it makes me think of Kurt running away from him in Bryant Park again. But he's also, you know, and also in a way by this point, he's singing in harmony with the Warblers. And so the Warblers are kind of be like, don't run away from us, Blaine. You should come join yeah. us. Well, and that's the yeah. thing, and if you don't mind me jumping into the choreography stuff... It's, you know, at first he's kind of like, you know, on the outskirts of the warblers doing their thing and, you know, whatnot. And by the end, he's freaking partying the sea. Like, he, yeah. you know, yeah. shoves them apart and goes right through and he just completely takes back on his warbler persona that, you know. And you know what else is interesting? He used to be um, kind of like, Darren is a short guy. And they used to try to do camera angles to make it look like he was a lot bigger, but he looks so tiny, but so powerful in this scene. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad they stopped doing that. Just let the kid be little. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I like that, because, like, now he has had Warbler again for a moment. I love when he parts the sea, and, and he is yeah. now the center of attention. And he has that power. Yeah. And that's the thing. Okay, um, has everybody seen yeah. Wonder Woman? I have not. No. I have not, oh, but I want okay. to. <laughs> Damn it. And I'm seeing we're going spoilers, but there's, like, this one moment where you're just, like, Okay, for people who have seen Wonder Woman, that there's this moment where she kind of kind of comes into your power and you realize why she has the power and that's that's this. Anyway. Awesome. <laughs> I, we'll have to all see I'll it so we know what Pink's talking about. We'll see it eventually. <laughs> uh, hey, can I, may I interject something before we you know before we um uh, folk, uh, talk more about the choreography? Because I just remembered that I just thought of something when Pink was going through her the lyrics of um, okay when she was talking about uh, less than perfect and everything it just popped into my head and I don't know if there's any connection but could this be a, a follow-up or counterpoint to when when Kurt and Blaine sing that duet mm-hmm. uh, perfect. when they sang when they sang the pink. yeah not, not, not me the other pink. 
to yeah to Santana in um in season season three mm-hmm. because there they're talking about yeah. if you're not don't uh, they're trying to make her you know feel feel better but then they uh, they said they also sing it to each other in the you know in the car together yeah. so right. like they sing they sing you are perfect to me yeah um and then in the christmas episode in the ring scene which fuck y'all it is canon <laughs> yeah it is because they talk about it in the that series finale so it is in the, in, the, in the series finale it's freaking yeah canon. it's in the locker yep. Kurt's locker yeah yep when he says to remind you how perfectly imperfect you are. Yeah. Versus that, versus this whole, versus perfection that by the time, by the end, we know there's no such thing as perfect. Well, and again, it ties into all of the stuff we've been talking about where Blaine was this perfect white knight teenage dream character for Kurt. And they had mm-hmm. a lovely, perfect relationship. But well, you know what? That didn't happen. You know, that's broken. Yeah. And it's never going like, to go back, but it doesn't need to because now Blaine is a real person. Now Kurt and Blaine, after this, they have mm-hmm. a real relationship story that I find fascinating. So anyway. Yeah. It's like, it's like act two of Into the Woods. It's like, yeah. I was raised to be charming, not whatever it is. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how that theme kind of runs throughout the whole arc. I mean, not mm-hmm. just this season, but the whole... Um, whole... Um, arc of the entire series so that's like a polish line so i thought that was yeah. really interesting absolutely yeah so it just kind of kind of ends with don't, the way it ends though with don't run away it's almost like the spell is broken and he's like and he's looking down he's like oh shit mm-hmm. which is like which is when he tells finn is like it kind of just happened yeah well and that goes into well, yeah, was there anything else with this because that kind of jumps into the next scene and i just wanted I, well, no, I'm done can, with all my lyric stuff, but yeah, you can you can tell about the choreography. You can tell the change when he takes his when he takes his jacket off and the blazer off, and he becomes he. I guess Peter he Parker, the, yeah, Kent. yeah. I was mm-hmm. gonna say with the glasses, Diana Prince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, okay, so yeah, so the next scene we get, you know, obviously. This is, you know, the, the mind stuff that Hunter is, you know, doing is working on him because of uh, Blaine's vulnerability at the time. So mm-hmm. he goes and he has this conversation with with Finn. And, yeah, um, yeah I love that moment when he's like, you know, he, you know, he's like, I sang with the Warblers. And Finn's like, you sang with the Warblers? And he's like, well, it just kind of happened. And it's supposed yeah. to also uh, um, kind of like the cheating. It, it just is something that kind of happened. Can I point out with Finn? I, I just like that little little um, comment where he, when they're talking, I think Finn was he was uh, kind of trying to map out the choreography or something. Mm-hmm. He there had was those a little like what little things, yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Oh he had it from so Will had it last season. So yeah, yeah. that's so mm-hmm. funny. That's one of the things he inherited. One of the inherited from Will, I might add. Mm-hmm. The times that Finn wasn't as effective a teacher is when he tried to be more like Will. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that that stood out to me in the background is that, you know, when they were, you know, when they were having a conversation, was that bored with all the figures on it? Um, I like how, um, (laughs) I like how Finn tries to relate to Blaine and like, this is where we get the gel line. He's like, we, you know, mm-hmm. the Glee Club needs to gel. And he's like, yes, 
And you're the biggest part of that. <laughs> <laughs> we need a team with a lot of gel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, God. You're the biggest part of that. Aw. I also really love this. Maybe just because Finn and how he relates to things. Um, it's he, he kind of starts to figure it out. Like, he's like, does this have to do with cart? And he's kind of like, I don't yeah. know if I really want to yeah. talk about this. But, uh, and then Blaine just lets go. I think this is the first time yeah. Blaine's ever really said anything out loud like this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. just yeah. let's go. Like, yeah, this is, I lost the person that I, that anchored me to reality. <laughs> that anchored me to McKinley. Yeah, because he wouldn't have been there. I mean, he you just know? flat out says, without Kurt here, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. He was the whole reason I came here, and now there's no reason for me to stay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that hits it on the head. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's really sad in a way that I don't think Blaine, I mean, I know that in the previous episode or in Role You Were Born to, Born to Play, uh, Sam talks to him a little bit, but Sam doesn't really get the, the depth of what Blaine is going through at, the, at, no, at that doesn't. time. And this yeah. is the first time where, you know, Finn, who has just gone through a, a very, I don't know if traumatic is the right word, but huge breakup. And even though he may not really want to hear about it, because I, I feel like to Finn, Kurt and Blaine are always this kind of foreign entity to him. Um, mm-hmm. But um, this is, yeah, Blaine is just finally releasing all of these emotions and he, he gets mm-hmm. loud and starts yelling and, and mm-hmm. ugh, poor kid. No. Hello. Welcome to the world of Blaine standing where you're just like, aw. Oh, mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you wanna pet your you wanna pet his head and then you realize, oh god, he's wearing all that gel in his head. Yeah. So then you just petting your head. He's like, I'm gonna wash my hands later. See, I wouldn't even be able to feel the difference between the gel because of the gunk in my hair that's already <laughs> on my hands. Mm-hmm. And my hair is purple right now, so my fingers usually tend to purple. So, yeah. I, get I would imagine I'd be, like, accidentally petting my cat after I just put flea medication on the back of their neck. And going, oh, crap, I one, one thing that Blaine says, just to put in context, because this is coming from stuff that I actually do know about. Um, Blaine says it's like an X2 when Pyra goes to join the Brotherhood of Mutants. And it's funny because... The Brotherhood of Mutants, if you guys don't follow X-Men, um, it, are the bad guys, essentially. He goes and he joins that movie is great. Magneto and the, the evil team. And he's basically, what Blaine is saying is, like, it just feels so right to go. Like, it, it, no, the Warblers aren't evil in you know, general, because they are going to be redeemed eventually. But right now, they're the dark side. And But the yeah. thing is, Magneto, has, he was... You know, he made a good point. He did. And Magneto, in the in the entirety of X-Men, which I won't bore you with, he's flip-flopped to a million times. Yeah. Not good, being yeah. good and bad, but... But yeah, there were times I was like, Magneto's kind of right. In some ways, it's he good, is. Yeah. Well, and in some ways, yeah. Hunter is kind of right. You know, you left to be with Kurt. You guys are no longer together. What are you doing over there? You were yeah. here first, you know? So, I, you know, they don't... You know, they only call... They even call you Blaine Warbler. And this, I'm pretty sure this is this episode is the last time anyone refers to him as Blaine Warbler. I'll have to keep a lookout for that because I think he might be right, unless Brittany says it late. I mean, she says it in this episode, but yeah, I'm almost 100 yeah. certain that no one refers to him as Blaine Warbler. Except, don't they? I think they say it jokingly near the end of the series for something. Yeah, I think that's that yeah. would be the only. But no one refers to him as mm-hmm. that. Yeah. After mm-hmm. this episode, which kind of solidifies, you know, that 
Blaine yeah. is Blaine Anderson. He, belong, yeah. he belongs at McKinley as much as anyone else. And yeah. so I like the symbolism of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, before we get to the Sam scene, we do have, he's, Blaine isn't in it, but we get this little choir room scene, and Brittany's like, I don't sm- smell raspberry hair gel. Hair gel. <laughs> and this is when we got into like the whole headcanon of they probably also use raspberry lube. So, yeah. oh, oh my, God. my goodness. Everybody writes, like, tell me that they, that if there is not lube, if there is flavored lube involved, it is always raspberry. Okay. And <laughs> um, thick, whatever. Isn't that the flavor I used in the Pride fic I just wrote? I don't even remember. Maybe. It's a when Pam goes up to the lube booth. Like, yeah. oh, free stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm damn sure I had it, I've had it in my fix when it's involved. Well, except for the Christmas one. Then it was gingerbread and peppermint. So mm-hmm. I did write one where Puck gave them bacon condoms. Oh, gross. Ah. I'm sorry. Bacon does not make everything better. anyway (laughs) before this goes down a crazy road (laughs) i go down that right right now there's this is also where tina says oh boohoo like you know whatever and Mm. then that's when finn explains you know he's gonna finish out you know at dalton and um that actually tina kind of uh she kind of shuts up after that because i don't think she wanted to see him go Yeah. yeah I love everyone's reactions because none of them wanted to see him go. And I don't no. and yeah. I think you saw in that moment how much they actually really did care for him. And Blaine just didn't see it. No, yeah. no he didn't see it. No. And um, Artie you know, says, I mean, this is one of, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, Artie says he's really been taken uh, by the dark side. Yeah. And it just makes me think of something. Give me a, uh, give me a second. And I hate to bring the podcast down, but it's something that I need to bring up. It's, it's when these guys, it's when they suddenly are just like, oh my God, Blaine's gone. Maybe it's at that point they realize that as much as we care for them, we we didn't tell them. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone's watched any of Tyler Oakley's videos this week, the Chosen Family series that he's done. No. Um, nope. He, um, he did one on um, the, the one-year anniversary. Anniversary is not the right word, but one-year memorial of the Pulse oh, nightclub Pulse. shooting. And he mm-hmm. talked to um, Christopher Leon's Drew's um, mom and his uh, best friend. And they said that that night when they were at Pulse, uh, before they went into the club to dance, he said, you want to know something? We don't say we love each other nearly enough. So he just put his arms around everybody and was just like, we're all going to go in a circle and we're all going to say, I love you. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. And they did that and then went into the club. And and wow. it's that yeah, moment when that, you like my, you got it you have to tell and I has been very big about that because that's one thing when my mom passed away we said it like every single day and people think mm-hmm. it's obnoxious cuz me and my sister say it to each other every single day yeah. and yeah. we say it and when I talk to my brother we say it like before the phone call is over and people think mm-hmm. it's like this really kind of weird like why do you guys always say that to each other but it's mm-hmm. you know you never know if it's going to be the last time you say it. And yeah, I can't exactly. remember, Kay, if I talked to you about this, I feel like I've been on a podcast and mentioned this, that when my grandfather died, um, I was 17. And of course I was a 17 year old, which means I was a stupid bitch. And yes, they... I saw him, like I had just done a play and I could have gone to say bye to him. And I love you. And I decided not to, cause I was too cool for school, like a fucking idiot. And he died that night. Oh, wow. And oh, I after that, that yeah. I, 
was I forever I'm crying now um I'm 44 years old it still makes me cry but that moment I was like I'm never ever saying goodbye to somebody ever again without telling them I love them Mm -hmm. yeah it's important my mom my dad my cousins my sister my husband my fucking cats and I mean people think it's weird and I was just like I don't care (laughs) exactly Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think also kind of tying it to the, the, the story that Blaine is the type of person that they probably didn't know what he was going through. They probably, he didn't probably talk about, you know, it, let's go back to dance with somebody when, when Blaine is angrily singing at Kurt and they uh-huh. were like, mm-hmm. what, where is this coming from? Because yeah, I think yeah. both Blaine and Kurt put out this, like, we have a perfect relationship. Anytime anything goes wrong, everybody's like, what the frick is going on? And I think yeah. just as Blaine is a character in general, Nobody mm-hmm. really, like, he doesn't let people in that way. And mm-hmm. you may not have any idea that there are these deeper issues going on, but you never no. know that somebody might actually be going through a really hard time. And, mm-hmm. and Blaine needs to hear these things. Like, okay, so there's this Britney Spears song. It's, like, one of my favorites. It was written by Shania Twain called Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know. And it's literally, like, the oh, song is about, like, tell me how you feel. Like, I need to hear you say it. And mm. Blaine is very much that person. He needs to hear you say it. Oh my god! I did not know Shania Twain sang wrote that song. Yeah, but she wrote it for Britney. Now, when you say Shania Twain, I immediately imagine Shania Twain singing it. And then I was like, Oh wait a second! No, Britney sang that. I don't think Shania ever recorded it. So. Mm-hmm. No, she wrote it for Britney. Oh my god! Because that totally sounds like a Shania Twain song when I think about it. God, I can't believe I never made the connection before. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Britney songs because I'm oh. that person also. But yeah, I think I think that also played a lot into, you know, the issues between Kurt and Blaine because Kurt's very nonverbal. You know, Kurt's mm-hmm. very much that person where he shows you how he feels. Yeah. And because, he yeah. thinks that you should get that. You know? Yeah. I, what do you mean you don't what do you mean you don't get how I feel? I showed you. I did this thing. I made you this mm-hmm. thing. I you know, I cooked for you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Blaine needs to verbally be told. Right. If you look at like a year ago, we were talking about this with the Glee's podcast podcast a year ago, Blaine did, you know, West side story. And Kurt says, I'm proud of you on that stage. And they were still at a point where they were singing perfect. And Kurt was mm-hmm. saying things like, I love you and I'm proud of you. And, you know, when Kurt, went off to New York, even in the end of season three, when he was thinking about going off to New York, he probably was not saying it as much as he needed no. to. Well, even, even at, in Promisaurus, when he was, uh, when Blaine had that, you know, the issue with the hair gel and, um, oh boy. And, uh, Kurt was saying, he said, don't put it back in, you know, oh, it's been so long, but yeah, mm-hmm. he, he acknowledged that, you know, that, he just wanted to see Blaine as, you know, how he was and without without the hell job. It was proud of his bushy haired boy, boyfriend. Yeah, the bushy haired boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Borat. <laughs> I mean, just look at how emotional Blaine got in both of those scenes when Kurt said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he said, I want, when he says, like, you know, when he says, I'm proud of you, I was so proud of you. He's like, I want you to be. And I mean, he's seeing this, this like, watery, teary face, like, he wants people to be proud of him. And when people or even are, when Cooper, you know, when, when they had that scene on the stage yeah. with Cooper, yeah. he needs to hear people say these things, otherwise yeah. he won't believe them. That's like look, if we fast forward all the way to test it and he breaks down and Kurt's like, I'm always going to love you. 
It's mm-hmm. like he needed that reassurance, and that's why yeah. he's having problems. Yeah. It's just going to be, uh, you know, something that Blaine is always going to have to deal with. And it, and yeah. I think people forget, you know, that people are like that. You know, you're never going to, ha- you know, fix it, and it's going to be perfectly fine. I think there's always going to be this kind of thing in real life where you know you you know you have certain personally personality traits. Some may be negative, some may be positive, but they're always going to mm-hmm. be there. You're never going to fully get yeah. away from that. You just yeah. have to acknowledge it and try to um, continue to work with it. Continue to work with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. If anyone's interested, by the way, I looked up that whole thing about the five love languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and was, was thinking about that. Was thinking about the way Kurt expresses love versus how Blaine expresses it, and what yeah. what people need versus what they can give. And just, just to note, the five types of love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Oh, wow. What? Oh, my I goodness. I like Kurt yeah. and Blaine were polar opposites in, in those areas. Yeah, where mm-hmm. I think Kurt is the kind of person where he likes gifts. I think he likes receiving gifts. He likes giving gifts. He also likes acts of service. Whereas... Yeah. Whereas Blaine is touching these words. Yeah. I'm Blaine. (laughs) Tag yourself. I'm Blaine. I know. And we were just talking about the five love languages. So we can keep this part of the podcast in. Oh, awesome. um, Where I think that Blaine can, to to, to catch, (laughs) to catch, uh, face open up. Um, Words of affirmation, which is totally a Blaine. Yes, it is. Thing. Quality. Quality time, which could really apply to either one. Yeah, it can be both Receiving gifts. That's Kurt, yeah. Kurt. Big gestures, acts, yeah. Acts of service. Mm-hmm. Like doing things you know your your partner would like you to do. Um, you seek to please them by serving them. That's Blaine, though. Well. I mean, come on, think about, it. like, he wants, hey, here, Kurt, I'm going to make you breakfast every day. Yeah. And physical touch. And that's definitely, you know, I will argue that that's Kurt a little bit, too, in some respects. But it's just a little bit more, t- like, in a very intimate... Kurt sure does get upset if they can't, if they're not banging on the regular. <laughs> they, uh, he does. Yeah. It's a true but I will say that Kurt is also very specific about physical touch right. from people. He's very specific. He has no problem with it being from Blaine, mm. from his, I think, from his dad. Mercedes. Uh, Mercedes. He's always he's very, very, very yeah. affectionate with Mercedes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But others, he's like, uh, like... You know, Finn, he's like, no. No, yeah. <laughs> Not unless I, I can welcome that. But Except for the, uh, in, at the end of four, when the geek give the breakup mission. Yeah, the hug. Yeah. Yeah, the hug. It's the last scene they ever have together. It is. So we we talked about that on the break, yeah. on the Kurt side. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. So, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up that I didn't a while back, um, when we were talking about the kind of um, snarkiness that Blaine was shooting off at um, at Finn. There was that one scene before he leaves Dalton that he is actually hunched over. This is after he's, I'm sorry, it's after he's been at Dalton and before he decides to transfer that he is all wrapped up in his Nightbird costume. The Nightbird burrito. Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. It's, he goes from Nightbird to Night burrito. I see the fan out of that. It's adorable. It's it's kind of like at the point where he's so like he's closing himself off purposely because he's yeah. thinking about all of this, and then 
you know, and then that's when he stands up and he's like, I'm going to go back and get the trophy back. The one that you don't even know was missing. And he storms out of there. But I just wanted to bring it up. because I thought it was interesting that he's closed himself off. And the thing is, it's like he's in the choir room, which seems off. But I mean, without the choir room around them, you can almost envision, you know, sometimes you'll see Batman just like on a ledge, just kind of brooding Staring and, down at the city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was hunched over and being, you know. And that, and that's a thing because when you look at a lot of um, superheroes, particularly the ones that are more the anti-hero, I'm thinking Batman, I'm thinking Wolverine. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things about them is that they're very much alone. Like they like they have one or two people that they really let in. Like Batman has Alfred, and depending on which Batman verse you're in, you know he has the different Robins, mm-hmm. and um, you know Wolverine, you know has his closeness with Professor X, yeah. and again depending on whatever verse you're in, you know Rogue. He has a lot of younger friends, like Jubilee or Kitty Pride or the, you know exactly. Jean Grey. Um, yeah, but they're they're very like you know they're loners. They're very much mm-hmm. alone. And so I do wonder if that's part of the super superhero thing as well, is that there are some superheroes that don't have any, they don't have family, they, like Superman doesn't have his family, and again, he has a couple of trusted people, but mm-hmm. for the most part, what separates them from everyone else, aside from whether or not they have powers, is the fact that they kind of feel like, I'm in this alone. Mm-hmm. And even though Wolverine is part of the X-Men, he's very much, you know, on, you know, has that feeling of, you know, having been in alone for so long. You know, that's a nice segue because the next scene we're going to talk about is the stuff with Sam and back in makeover, they joked about um, like who gets to be Wolverine and who has to be Cyclops. Um, And they both wanted to be Wolverine. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, they were definitely setting up the superhero stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so then we get this, um, the scene with Sam at the lockers when, uh, uh, so uh, prefacing that when Finn's talking about, you know, we were letting Blaine go, he's going back to Warblers. There's a, a zoom in on Sam's face where he's like, you know what? I'm the one that can save him. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go get him, you know? Mm-hmm. No. So here's a question for it, you guys. Um, oh, sorry. Uh-huh. What, kind of going into the scene, what makes you think, why does Sam take it upon himself to help Blaine? They're not particularly close, even though they did the whole president, vice president thing now. But now here Sam's like, you know what, I'm going to go help him. Because I Sam is going to say. Sorry. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys both feel so passionately. I'm sorry. Sorry, because Sam has done this since the beginning of season four. Yeah. He, he, he went to Marley. He went to Brittany. Yeah, he went to Marley because he's like, look, I know that's not a J. Crew sweater. I know your mom bought that from Walmart and sewed a mm-hmm. J. Crew tag in it, which begs the question where the hell did you get the J. Crew tag? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was wondering. The lost and found at whatever school. Yeah, but. Mm hmm. And, you know, and then he went to Brittany because he just has, I mean, I don't know what it is about a chameleon, maybe, uh, but he's got, you know, maybe he's really the human brain because he's the one that can sense when something's wrong. Mm. I mean, he did it with Mercedes in, in Saturday Night Gleaver as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and he's always been a kind character. He wasn't put off by Kurt in duets. Yeah. It was more Finn who felt that it's way. Not just- Sam... Is this, you know, that's just how he is. He goes beyond just being empathetic. He's actually an empath. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Well, so we get this locker scene, and he's he's talking to um he's talking to Blaine, and he says, "Look, dude, you don't need to ex." He knows exactly what Blaine's doing. He's like, "You don't need to exile yourself at Dalton because that's mm-hmm. what you're doing." 
I think it's fascinating that he is calling out Blaine in a way that nobody else is calling him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a good and helpful way, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. He sees Blaine, and I, yeah, I think he, he may does. be one of the first people, even outside of Kurt, to really see and zero in right away mm-hmm. on Blaine in a sincere way. Because it took a really long time for Kurt to really see Blaine as something other than a projection of mm-hmm. his perfect kind of boyfriend, perfect future. And exactly. yet Sam zeroed in right away, and he sees who he sees to the heart of Blaine's issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why their friendship is so special and more. Spe- and even so, even if it's not a competition, it's a friendship that for me has a little more depth to it than even with Blaine and Tina, because we find that Blaine's not really, doesn't really share with Tina right. the way he does yeah. with Sam. Cause she exactly. didn't know about Sadie Hawkins. She thought he just yeah. got bullied. Yeah. Um, so Sam basically says, I know what you're doing. He doesn't know why Blaine is beating himself up, but he can see that Blaine's beating himself up. And it's like, yeah. I know where you're really going to Dalton is because you feel like you did something bad to deserve it or something. And yeah. so you need to say what's going on. Um, let's talk about the flashback because I think the flashback, the thing about Sam is that when he hears about this flashback, he still likes Blaine. And what we were talking about earlier oh, with yeah. the dark side, he's saying, will somebody still love me if they see this dark side? So here, yeah. the first time is yeah. when he really gets to explain what he did. And we find out, yeah. well, first of all, let's take a second and talk about the fact that Ryan Murphy gave a picture of Darren Chris in a teenage dream. Uh, with a stupid flashback when like it's a picture of when Blaine cheated and I'm like low like mood. teenage nightmare yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> jeez thanks Ryan Murphy but um I repressed that that was a, not a fun time no can I also yeah. though there was some humor thank you it's like god bless Kendra Kendraw who no longer is in the fandom in fact she doesn't even have the glee tag in her art anymore so you have to like dig it up but the one that's just like, are you disappointed because I didn't look like my profile picture? You do realize mm. I wasn't the size of a lighthouse, what? right? That wasn't even good. Uh, well, I sure uh, thought I was going to try. That, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I like that Eli was very out of focus in the background because in yeah. the end it wasn't about who it was with. Yeah. Do y'all remember the actor that played Eli though? Like, posted a picture of a lighthouse. He was great. He was, you know, I have to say there are two. It seems like there were two types of people who came on the show. There were the people that like embraced the craziness, and then there were the people that kind of were like didn't get it and and fandom didn't. Y'all are some fucked up people. I think the Brody guy. I don't remember who the Dean Gare. I don't think he got along with fandom very well, (laughs) but. He did, and then the guy who played Adam didn't. No, really yeah, he didn't really get it. But Grant yeah. and the guy who played Eli, like, they... They just took it, you know? It was like, we get it, you're batshit crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I like that he was, you know, we get. it was about Blaine. It wasn't about who he was with. It was the fact... That, I mean, we don't really technically know exactly what he did. I do assume what that some body fluids were exchanged, I would even say, based on the sheets alone, involved being naked under the sheets. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm, do you, I remember there was a whole debate on what Blaine did, and I'm I'm sure orgasms were exchanged, nakedness was had, you know. Yeah. So I just remember the, the look of sheer hair was on Joe. Heart, yeah, sheer heartbreak on his face. Like he's like, oh my god, what have I done? Yeah. He looked like he was gonna throw up. Which is really, you know, not a choice to look on your face after you have sex, I'm just saying. Yeah. 
it's not usually a good sign. Yep. That is that is that moment that you know, and God, this is visceral for me. Yeah, but very, very that visceral. moment that's like just right after I did it, I knew that it was wrong. It's like yeah. the moment that it happened, I wait, wait a minute. Yeah. I really love Kurt. What the hell have I done? I, yeah. I, you know, and it, it's, and I think it was like literally that night he was on the flight to New York. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It's interesting that I, I have to wonder that sometimes people need that kind of catalyst, like mm-hmm. to, to see what is going on. I'm not advocating cheating. I'm, I promise. But yeah. it's like sometimes. Well, you got to hit rock bottom sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that was rock bottom. Yeah. And that's the thing with Sam is that he's like, okay, well, you did this thing. You have to stop beating yourself up for it because you're still a good person. And you have to forgive yeah. yourself before anyone else. Because, you know, he's like, well, you know, have you talked to Kurt? And he's like, I've tried, but he won't talk to me. And then Sam's kind of like, well, you need to, you know, you are a good person. Forgive yourself first. And then let's start from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Yeah. Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. Yeah. Amen. But yeah, after he's after Blaine says it, the way he sinks against the locker, it's like yeah. you can tell that a weight was lifted just by saying it out loud. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it like, is kind he, of the slump. Yeah, yeah. He can do the slumps, and and Darren. I know we talk a lot about the physicality of you know of Chris, but Darren is really good at somehow making himself feel smaller. Oh, yeah. In certain moments. Mm, I think younger. he did a lot in early season three that really conveyed that Blaine wasn't comfortable at McKinley. He mm-hmm. does it a lot here where he just makes himself cave in almost on himself with his body language. To, so you yeah. really feel mm-hmm. Blaine's pain and his discomfort and his vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, you can tell it's just trying to do the emotional work. But yeah. like when Sam is just like, what's that work? Because Sam still needs a little help himself. What's yeah, that when you're trying not to make yourself a villain, and he's like, villain, villain. Yeah, I still have to, and I still have to figure out your grammar and whatever. You're still making me do this. Yeah. Well, and I, I like also kind of going to that physicality you guys were talking about, where he's like taking down his stuff, and then he's just like angrily like throwing his junk he's like I, I you know I, like I just want to yeah. be done with this I want to be yeah. you know I'll just go back and I'll hide at Dalton and Sam is like no we're gonna confront this which yeah. is a lot because Blaine is so meticulous so to it see is, him yeah. kind of being careless mm-hmm. with his stuff you know says a lot about his mental state as well because again he doesn't take people's hands if he doesn't know them and you know yeah. toothpaste on the towel sets his teeth on edge Mm-hmm. And so when he's being careless about his stuff, so you know, something's up. I thought it was the tooth. I thought he left the toothpaste on the towel, and Kurt was pissed off about it. No, I think it was Kurt left the toothpaste on the towel, and Blaine was pissed, wasn't it? I don't remember. We'll talk about that like a year yeah, from yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Well, <laughs> I, I've always wondered something about, and uh, and. I always had this question when we were. I was watching the app, and it's lingered since. When when Blaine thinks, I mean, they're correct, and when um, when they say when Sam says that Blaine wants to, you know, just exile himself to to Dalton again, and when the when you know the Warblers tried to lure him back, and he's you know they try to he, they try to think persuade him of the good old days and stuff, but I'm like. I'm thinking, like, 
on that on on some respect that's true, but but uh, in some ways Dalton also has his memories of of Kurt with mm-hmm. you know Kurt there too. So it's not. Yeah. It's not and really like he's running away. That's kind of like you know, after yeah. they break up a second time, he dates Dave Karofsky. Blaine has a way of being sadistic <laughs> yeah. and, and torturing himself, yeah. and he goes back to work at all. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. just Blaine. I mean, yeah, I, I do think Blaine felt like a, a Dalton is always a safe place you can go back to. But yeah. also, I think that Blaine has a way of like beating himself up. Yeah. And that's why well, that's- Sam kind of steps in here and it is like, look, let's forget about all of this stuff about hurting Kurt. Let's talk about you. Yeah. And how we're going to make you feel better. Right. And also, I might point out that it's not like Dalton's exactly being altruistic, bringing Blaine back into the fold for his own good. Oh, they are doing yeah, it for no, their own yeah. selfish purposes to yep. use him, and maybe Blaine feels like he should be used. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so we get Sam saying, give me one day just to make you try and feel good again. And so what they do, first they sing Heroes. And yeah. I kind of, I, first of all, it's a great duet um, between the two of them. Um, it fits so well. Okay. Like, we can be heroes just for one day. And Okay. And I just got to say, as someone who got to see them perform this, I got to see them perform this live in Nashville. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, I did, too. I'm yeah, sure. and Connie did, too. Yeah. Connie right up front. I was, like, one row behind. But it yeah. was, like, eh. oh, it was so yep. awesome. Some play guitar. That was guitars and that was a treat they hit sound very good together they they play off each other well they mesh well really together but yeah i i love the song for them and i love the montage it's basically charity work um but mm-hmm. it's a way for blaine to feel like he's helping again and and, and yeah. being a good person and yeah he did this one bad thing and he did hurt somebody he loves very much but other people around him love him and kind of throwing back to what we were talking about with like Brittany, I, I love the moment where they're playing around and she gives him a kiss on the yeah. cheek. And I think somebody said once that that's the first time anybody touches him since like the breakup episode when Kurt and yeah. Blaine kiss. Not only that, but I think it's the first time we see someone other than Kurt. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I think Cooper hugs him, but it's the first time we see someone like not related to him other yeah. than Kurt show him physical, you know, physical affection. I mean, mm-hmm. not counting yeah. like all the way back when when Rachel did, but but even then, when Rachel did it, it wasn't for this. It wasn't for the same kind of reason. She was looking for a boyfriend. She was looking mm-hmm. to make Finn jealous. Yeah. This was Brittany with you know showing affection to Blaine, Blaine. simply yeah. for Blaine being who he. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love that little moment. I love the whole montage and the song and yeah. it's, yeah. it's really just fun. so uplifting mm-hmm. and it's kind of the opposite. Of what dark side is. Yeah. I do have to say, I am kind of glad that they didn't use all of the lyrics for David yeah. Bowie's Heroes. Um, because, I mean, if you read, like, the entire bit of the lyrics, it's it, it, it just wouldn't quite fit. Yeah. Um, because it's like, and you, you can be mean, and I, I will drink all the time because we're lovers, and that is a fact. Yeah, that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not. <laughs> Yeah, let's just go yes, ahead and leave, leave in the line, <laughs> and we kissed as though nothing could fall. <laughs> That's not yet. Yeah. As no. someone who sh- often shifts blam romantically, I'm not upset about it. No, yeah. no, I, I, I'm yeah, like, okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Also, interesting that there is the line, though, that, and the gun shot above our heads, which is. Oh, wow. Which is foreshadowing 
shooting star. Wow. I mean, I didn't catch that. Me neither. What? This is the second verse. I, I, because here's the thing. They start with the, I wish I could swim like dolphins, like dolphins can swim, which does not come up until like the second verse in the original. Oh, okay. Sorry. I haven't heard the original in a while. I hadn't thought about that. The original's like twice as long. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, they end this kind of montage with Sam and Blaine becoming this, you know, dynamic duet. Because earlier, because yeah. Kurt said, you know, or Blaine said that, you know, he and Kurt used to be this dynamic duo, and uh-huh. now Blaine kind of has a, a new person. Not just Sam, but in general, he's not just alone. He's got this whole community of people he can be dynamic with. Um, but mm-hmm. he and Sam are now kind of BFFs, and they do have one little thing they have to go do. <laughs> sort of yeah, be, and, and the ambiguously, be ambiguously platonic duo. The blonde chameleon. Nightbird. So, they, yeah, they go. I like, love the insinuation that they climbed up the balcony. Because <laughs> of that thing that comes one down. Blaine would have a grappling hook. Um, and they get the trophy back, and it's Blam! Slain! Yep, Slane. But yep. Blam just works better. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. That's kind of like, instead of Clain, there's also Blurt. Yeah. I, I like Kurt Cobain, and then people used it for, like, incesty reasons. Yeah, but they did so it to, like, I. weird polyamorous incesty Cooper yeah. reasons yeah. stuff. Like, but, but, yeah. We get like this Blam. whole arc where Sam... Brings Blaine back to the light side, and he becomes, you know, he, he went through that heroic journey of, you know, wrestling with the dark side of himself that came out. It's kind of like Spider Man 3. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> you guys oh, have ever God. seen it? Oh, that God. movie is so bad. Oh, All these. So yeah. bad. oh, that was so awful. Why did, oh, they, why did they do that? <laughs> why did they make Tony McGuire dance? Oh, who knows why they do things? I just, if they're going to make any Spider Man dance, it should be Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know who that guy was, and when I saw Lip Sync Battle, I was like, I "Oh, is he the guy that dressed oh, up like knows? Rihanna?" He, yeah, he's who? the guy. It was him and Zendaya. Is it Zendaya or Zendaya? Zendaya. Zendaya. Her Zendaya. Bruno Mars was amazing. Yeah, her Bruno Mars is because we're co-starring in the new Spider-Man movie. She's yeah. is it, not Mary. Mary Jane. What's Mary Jane? Yeah. Yeah, so she's the new Mary Jane, and Tom Holland's going to be the new Spider-Man. So that's why they were doing lip sync battle together, because it was a preview of... It was during the MTV yeah. Movie Award. But she did Bruno Mars, and then, yeah, his Rihanna. I thought it was like a totally... I thought, holy crap, Rihanna popped out of nowhere. I mean, I was like, no, wait, this Tom Holland. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> so we get um, the, uh, two more scenes I want to touch upon real quick. The one is the one where... Um, they get the trophy back, and Blaine kind of thanks everybody, and he kind of feels like he's a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But talking about this origin stuff, this is now the origin of the new characters and of the new group. Because yeah. the very ending is Some Nights, which is a throwback to Don't Stop Believing with the red and the, the, the yeah. denim. And this is the first time that the new kids are all you know, singing together, and this is them actually becoming a team after this point. So it's the origin not story. All, not all. No, Unique. Unique, I thought, was there. Why wouldn't... She isn't. Unique, actually, actually, Unique is not in this episode. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I wonder she if not in this episode at all. Been. Because the thing is, that was the reason that 
when people were just like, oh, what's your favorite like group number for the new direction, new, new directions? I was like, it's actually, this has been new year. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's my one. Because it was between this is the new year and some nights I was just like, but some nights you really miss unique. Yeah. I wonder if that, I mean, if it was something with Alex Newell or if what, because like it does feel framed as though this is the beginning of the new. He, te- he technically was not a, he technically was not a regular. Yeah. From what I understand. I don't think he was actually officially a regular cast member. So, yeah. No, I just, it, it is framed to be like this. Is, you know, we have oh, yeah. all of these episodes yeah. It is before. definitely a parallel to Don't Stop Believing. But for me, yeah. I think when they me. really come together officially is Don't Dream It's Over. Yes, well, yeah. Yes, yes, there is oh, yeah. That. yeah. Y'all yeah. will talk about Song Song. But can I just say before y'all, since I won't be a part of that podcast, can I just say how much I adore, I adore. Because, okay, as a kid from the 80s, I adored the original one from Crowded oh, yeah. House. With Neil yes. I remember the one that Sixpence Then the Richer covered, but this one, and just and listening to Finn sing it also. I can't and, listen without crying. Yeah. It's, it is a good, just, really good. It's just so beautiful. And it's just that, you know, we're going to come back. We might have to meet in a stinky locker room or in the, you know, the astronomy lab and yeah. or something. But, oh, gosh. Okay. I just, I just, that just, I hadn't bring up my, it's like it's two episodes away, but that's like, I love that. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. And for some reason, my dark, for some reason, I will just say Dark Side, for some reason, didn't get a lot of love from fandom. I think partially because the Beelzebubs weren't a part of the, um, the stuff that, Dark Side really is one of my favorite Warbler numbers. I know it wasn't a yeah, It's really good. I think yeah, it's I really it. good. The first time I heard it, I was like, wow, this feels a little overproduced in the beginning. So when you first hear the first few notes, it's kind of like, eh. But really, I it's, just, it's become one of my favorites. I think it's a really, really well done performance. And, and they sound really good on it. And Darren does yeah. a great job with it. And so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of tying this all up together, though. I think... You know, we uh, in fandom, I've heard a lot of conversations about how the new New Directions feels differently than the old Directions. And I think that if you look at this, you know, it, it was very, very disjointed for the first six episodes. And a lot of disjointed mm-hmm. things happen. A lot of breakups happen. A lot of bad things happen. And we get mm-hmm. into this episode and they become a unit. And the way Finn yeah. kind of treats them all as this, we are a family. And really looks at them all as characters. I mean, even, you know, even though Sam is the one really helping with Blaine, but he, he, he takes time and, and is working with all of these people, you know, he's done more than Will did. Will is always leaving. Will was pitting them against each other. And yeah. here's here Finn was saying, hey, we're going to do that. You guys are going to be duets together. You're going to sing in yeah. harmony together. Yeah. You're not going to be versus each other. And I mm-hmm. think because of that, um, I've heard people talk about how these guys kind of, gel again for lack of a better yeah. word yeah. than the old directions because the old directions were always in competition with each other in a way yeah they seem both these guys to take care of each other they do in a way because they're because they're never pit against each other you know especially mm-hmm. once the thing between kenny and marley kind of fades yeah. out because that storyline was ridiculous yeah. but they mm-hmm. look out for each other you yeah, know and they... that's why and that's why tina kind of stood out but because Tina was still operating in the same mindset as the previous group. And she so was she, under old New Direction rules. Right. Yeah. yeah. And she it took her a while to get in. It took her, honestly, until Shooting Star yeah. to really get into the New Direction rules. And my Tina rant 
because I don't, I can't think of a better time to get into it. All right. So this isn't necessarily a Tina rant as it's a fandom Gina. I don't know. So I've always heard, and to this day I hear it, oh, who did Jenna piss off that they did this to Tina? And oh my God, Tina's so awful and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. you can debate whether Tina's character was awful or not. You know, that's up to debate depending on who you're talking to. But for me, especially since I listened to Jenna's podcast that she did with Kevin and she said that and they were talking about how she felt like she wanted more and she wasn't getting enough. And she, mm-hmm. I guess she had confronted Ryan Murphy like, you know, I've been a good sport from day one. And then so he expanded her role. And people are saying, you know, what did Jenna do? Why would they do this to her? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That was a freaking gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a gift. Because she got to play so many different beats. She got to show off her comedic timing. She got she got so much. I don't understand how anyone could think that was a punishment. I think that's something that people don't seem to understand when you're talking about Ryan Murphy projects. And I can't even claim for I'm just for this little bit of that I know is that Ryan Murphy's projects, the more dramatic stuff that you have, the more drama, the more, you know, bad things that happen to you sometimes. Yeah is the more, mm-hmm. like, they're them giving you story. If you're sitting in the background doing nothing, then mm-hmm. that's not them, like, you know, that's kind of just them ignoring you. Um, mm-hmm. So I know there's always, like, because mm-hmm. Jane Lynch made an offhand comment on, you know, you can tell when Ryan Murphy's pissed at you about the stuff that you go through, but I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it, Tina gets more to do, Sam gets more, you know, Blaine gets more to do, and that's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's they were trying to punish any of these characters by making them go through these dark things. I think that was them saying, okay, well let's give them a story and there you go. And that's, this, yeah, you know, they're always going to go towards a more dramatic story. They, they just don't yeah. tell happily ever after stories. Uh, and, for, but, you know. and for actors, I mean, that's it. And for actors, that's where they, where, where they can sink their, you know, can really dive mm-hmm. into that and express themselves. Yeah. Because who, who wants to like, just, you know, if you just play one, Carrier, a character with one single emotional, you know, you don't get very much depth into that. If you experience yeah. some trauma or go through some some drama and stuff, that that gives more depth to the character. I think. Yeah, I think somebody. Sorry. I, but I remember, I can't remember who said it, but I think somebody, somebody who's worked in television basically said, if the director or the producer is pissed off at you, they don't give you bad material or they don't do something terrible to your character. They just don't write you anything. Where yeah. you just basically sit in the background and do nothing. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they're not going to sabotage their own show yeah. because they're pissed at some actor and tank the character. They're just going to yeah. write you off. You know, Kay, tying that up into stuff that fandom got pissy about, let's, you know, looking at the breakup and the claim drama, I think that, you know, they're finally doing something with the couple. And I think that them having to deal with the struggle and, and then them growing as individual characters and them having relationship stuff to work through, I think was much more interesting and eventually satisfying than them yeah. sitting in season three in the background doing absolutely nothing. But that's, you know, my Every opinion. Every single time Kurt and Blaine have a relationship issue, yeah. we learn something new about Kurt and Blaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a viewer, I would much rather get to see the characters I care about grow and be interesting 
then I would want to watch just domestic peace and like, you know, that's what it is for. Mm-hmm. You want domestic little squabbles. I write mm-hmm. that myself. But yeah. the reason why the characters are so good, would we have gotten anything from Kurt? Would Kurt have been the character he was if he hadn't gone through the stuff he'd gone through in season one and two? No. Nope. We need right. those kinds of conflicts and stuff in order to progress mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. And and stretch the character. And I think that like, this breakup stuff kind of helps develop Blaine in that same way, as well as still give Kevin yeah. Kurt's story, even though he isn't as prominent. But I, you know, so much of season three was just so boring. I, I know yeah. that there are there pe- those people out there that would like to watch them just, you know, m- make dinner and, you know, snuggle on the couch. And I'm like, okay, fine. But really, to have a yeah. good story, conflict drives narrative. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one is. Like, one or two episodes where, you know, that's cute, but if you're trying to tell a story over time, yeah. then there needs to be something. And I was dreading the breakup. I remember, like, oh, this is so hard and painful to watch. Mm-hmm. But it's one of my favorite storylines in the end because it gave everyone so much to do. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if um, – it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to hear what you guys say when you hear the podcast. I think – Pink has only the only been only one that's done a season four one with me that are right here, but I have been having mm-hmm. so much fun doing these season four podcasts. Kind of getting into, I mean, you know, a lot of especially the end of season three. I, I, I apologize, but it was a lot of me whining about Rachel's story. But with the season four <laughs> podcast, it's been me nitty gritty getting into Kurt and Blaine's stories. I mean, I've split the podcast oh for a reason. And yeah. they've been so awesome. I've had such mm-hmm. great conversations with people on both sides. Everybody's been really super respectful, actually, which has been great. And mm-hmm. really talking about characters and stories and stuff that, you know, I feel like we haven't gotten to talk about much since the first time. So, yeah. 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 Cool. That's great. Because, and I think that followed through with the storyline. Because there's a lot more to, you know, there's a lot more depth to these characters now. I mean, sure, it's hard when we see it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. But... I mean, there's so much more to discuss. It's sort of like peeling back the layers of okay, you can just dis- you discover this new aspect to this character, and what does that mean? And it's just so much more interesting to talk about too. Yeah, and it's not yeah. just that. I mean, we've been talking about Blaine a lot in this episode, and we did talk about how this really was the episode where Blaine comes into his own. But let's not forget where we start with the very beginning with the newbies, and how the newbies were just kind of yeah. these caricatures. Up until this episode, they actually started to become like real characters in their yeah. own. And yeah. so just seeing this, I mean, ultimately, this whole episode was about character development for everyone. I think this episode yes. ties up. There are so many things going on in the first six episodes of season four. Um, yeah. and, and and really the New York stuff I almost consider separate in, in, a, in a way. But yeah. everything that McKinley kind of comes to head in this episode. And from, from this episode, it starts to go off and be the season four yeah. that season yeah. four is really known for. Mm-hmm. It's the turning point. Yeah, I think so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, oh. Connie. I'm sorry. And I love, how, I love how the superhero and comics are wrapped up into all this, too. Mm-hmm. Whoever, uh, who, who wrote this episode again? Ian Brennan wrote and directed it. He must have been. Ian must be a huge comics fan because I mean, there's so much. I want to say he is. I want to say yeah, or something. Yeah, I think that was a neat, neat. I think that was a neat kind of lens to look at 
look through. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, this this definitely follows the hero arc, uh, the comic book arc. You see it; it's a trope in yeah. comic books where you know this good character is is you know tampers with the dark side, and and can he come back from that and yeah. going forward from that? So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. Uh, and yeah, considering that Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. And um. And I love how, how how it kind of, I mean, this was a couple years ago now, but I know, and, you know, comics and superhero movies were having its, you know, it, were in the time. Oh, they were. It's just beginning, but now it seems like really now we're in the age of the comic superhero. We're in the really, I wouldn't say renaissance, but it seems like it's all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. All over well, now. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think possibly was this the same year that I think Arrow premiered? Maybe I think so. Yeah, yeah this Arrow was 2012. So oh, maybe not then. Maybe not. I think wasn't this all around the time when Avengers was taking off and when I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Chris Nolan's Batman trio was really huge. Oh yeah, at the time. Yeah. So. I just thought it was interesting if you look at it from a pop culture kind of TV perspective. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just looking. Okay. In 2012, you had The Avengers, The Dark Knight Rises, The Amazing Spider Man, uh, Chronicle, Dread. Yeah. Uh, Justice. Um, and then, you know, then there's some really bad, like, DVD sets. So, <laughs> um, Chronicle was like uh-huh. more of a. Uh, oh, uh, no, never mind. Kick Ass 2 was in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah okay. so. alright so I kind of wrapping up the podcast was there any other points that I missed that, that you guys want me to touch on real quick or mm-hmm. I would like to see if anyone has headcanons for what was going on with Kurt and Rachel while all of this was going on you know I do I, I do but uh, like I yeah. mostly I, I don't think about Rachel too much but with Kurt I don't yeah. know if m- much it's more of the same that was going on like Greece we see him and he was not sleeping and whatnot. And after yeah. that, um, after he gets quote unquote closure from that, like, you know, this does from the Gleese when he's like, you know, this doesn't feel like home. I think yeah, he's yeah. trying his best to go to Vogue, to work on his piece for his audition for um, Miata. For, and he's focusing mm-hmm. so much on all of these other mm-hmm. things and kind of drinking quote unquote Rachel's Kool-Aid that yeah. he is doing all of that. He's like, I am never going back to Lima ever again. I'm not going back to Lima for Thanksgiving. Well, at the time, you know, New York is my home. Right. I think when we pick up with him in Thanksgiving, there's not a whole lot that really needs to be filled in. I think he's just been trying to avoid, because Kurt is an avoider, uh, thinking about Blaine at all, even though it is eating at him, because he still loves Blaine. That's never going to change. So. Um, Now with Rachel, uh, who knows? She's, you know, having stuff with Brody and Cassie and... Brody, yeah, mostly yeah, Brody. I think just being with Brody and being yeah. gross with ice cream cones and getting on, Kurt, getting on Kurt's damn nerves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, you know, where I do miss him, I do understand why he wasn't in this re- in, in this relationship in this episode. Can I just say that there was a very clear divide um, between McKinley and New York for part of season four that I don't think really. 
I think they did it better in season five. We do, you know, and we, um, it's kind of interesting. We actually addressed that in the earlier uh, season four podcast that I've done. We did a whole episode on, um, kind of reducing between seasons one through three and how we got to season four. And something that was brought up then was that season four kind of, you know, started off on these two different concepts of Glee, the college years and Glee, um, uh, the new class. Yeah, yeah, because McKinley, like this. McKinley's very bright and cartoony and fun. And at this mm-hmm. point, New York is very drab, a lot of browns, a lot of like, yeah. you know. And so uh-huh. it, yeah. I think that it starts to kind of gel better when Santana comes. And yeah. with her, she brings a little bit of that kind of wackiness yeah. that you're used mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. in the McKinley side. And then season yeah. five, I think they do a lot better job yeah. of uh-huh. Well, I want to I want to bring this up real quickly because I'm actually gonna have to duck out early because Orphan Black starts in three minutes. Oh, um, but um, I think you can really tell like the first few episodes are really more like oh this was the spinoff we originally wanted to do but we yeah. somehow tried to take the best parts and cram it into these other episodes yeah. and I think it, it took a while to get into a okay we are doing a New York McKinley split I but it s- took them a few episodes for them to yeah. figure out how to do that and, and really it's I- kind of after this episode that it starts to even gel a little bit yeah. better but um but I can wrap this up so you can get going though um uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me on this podcast. Dynamic Duets is a dynamic episode, if I may. And yeah. um, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> so next week we will be back. We are going to actually split Thanksgiving and Swan Song um, between the Kurt and the Blaine side. So it will be Thanksgiving Swan Song Kurt side and Thanksgiving Swan Song Blaine side. Um, so yeah. stick around for that. Um, and sister. we will see you next Sunday. So thanks, guys. Listen, puzzle piece. I'm complete. I was just guessing at numbers and figures, pulling the puzzles apart. Will you love me? Even with my dark side. Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there. To help